0: Alright, good morning, if I can get you to grab a seat, grab a seat, so about 10 months ago, 9 months ago we were talking about hiring what it would look like to hire a, a second full-time person who would i want to hire and before we even started the process i told the elders you know if i could hire anyone it would be a guy named Lucas Rogers he he was on staff at, with me back at the church in Dallas Texas that's who i'd ask and before we even started a process i just i called up Lucas one day and said hey i just got a funny question for you you know would would you ever think about moving up to Valley Forge and you know doing church with me i I'll just make it a run go for it and and i was i was shocked to hear him say you know i would that started a conversation and um and basically uh, lucas and carrie had a lot of reasons not to come and god one by one picked those off so it just came down to a point where they either came or they were disobedient to jesus <laughs> And so here they are. I'm glad they're obedient to Jesus. Uh, Lucas is a friend. Uh, he's a great pastor, uh, and a man who loves Jesus deeply. And for that, I'm really excited for you guys to experience, for you guys and for him to be here today to preach his first sermon here. And, uh, we're gonna get him in the mix more. I'm still gonna do the bulk of the preaching, but for the next three weeks, you get to enjoy Lucas Rogers. Let me pray for him and then he's gonna take you from there. Father God, pray for lucas today and pray for our church pray that we would not just hear lucas but we would hear your word preached and proclaimed you lifted up high and exalted we would hear your gospel through lucas today father god I, I pray that all the distractions and all the things eating away at us right now that they would just be pushed to the side and lord i pray that lucas would be sensitive to your spirit i pray this in jesus name amen amen
1: Wow. Okay. It's uh, it's been a whirlwind this morning. We're gonna have some fun now. Um, you're gonna bear with me because I have to get settled here. Because here's the deal: I talk with my hands and I move around like crazy. And now I've been told that I have to stand right here with this mic. So what I need to do is kind of force myself to be still by giving myself a stool. So this is gonna keep me from leaving the microphone so you can actually hear me and all that kind of thing. So is everybody awake? Everybody okay? Yeah. How is everyone's week? Everybody, uh, you know surviving you're here you're alive right it's a good day i've had a crazy week um it's been crazy before i get into that let me um i just want to say real quickly here um doug and bob and the elders thank you so much um we um when we left Dallas, it was um, man, it was hard. It was really, really tough for us. And, and, and like Doug said, they described it was it was just this beautiful moment where they in, in the church service they brought us up and they prayed for us and they sent us out. And uh, we cried and they cried and it was just one of those beautifully sad moments, you know. And um, and I'll never forget it. I really won't. And so then to be welcomed in like this and to be prayed for, not just me, but my wife as well, um, that, that means so much. It really does. And just feels like it's a completion of this journey in some way. Um, so, and, and to so many uh, others of you as well, thank you so much just for all the encouragement, all the support, all the love that we've received. You know, People bringing us meals and, and uh, text messages and lunches with people and stuff like that. It's been really, really great. And I just can't tell you how welcomed we feel. Um, you, you just can't overstate how important that is when you're moving to a new place. And, um, it's a long way from home, but slowly inch by inch, we start to make this our home and that's, that's fun for us. Um, wow, we're, we're going to be pressed for time here. So I'm going to get going here. Um, some of you, I will say this real quickly. Some of you have been asking just kind of how we're doing, and I just want to fill you in real quickly because a lot of people have been asking how the transition's going, um, it's been a little bit crazy but it's been fun and we're kind of getting settled and yesterday we put an offer on a house and we're really excited to potentially have a place more permanent to live. We've been living in this tiny little apartment in Roersford, which has been great. The Lord provided that. We're really thankful for that. But um, we're, we're just praying that if this is the Lord's will, that we could get moved into this place. And uh, that would be really cool for us. But yesterday, um, I'm a little bit distracted because yesterday when I should have been like preparing for a sermon, I was a little bit distracted and going to see this house and filling out paperwork and all that kind of thing. So um, and then we get here this morning and it's just a circus, right? So uh, but it's going to be OK. We're going to be fine. All right. But I need to pray now because I need to focus and I need to be not quite so distracted. So pray with me. Let's take this before the Lord. God, you are good. And that's really all there is to it. You are good and you love us and you care for us. Father, right now, I pray that as Paul already prayed, Lord, that you would just or you quiet our hearts. Um, Lord that you would help us to engage In the midst of some crazy things this morning And I don't know what everybody else's week was like I don't know what everybody's yesterday was like And some people are hurting And some people things are going great And some of us we don't really know what tomorrow holds and Some of us have problems at work and some of us it's it's at home and some of us We're just wondering where you are. And Lord, I pray right now that you would just meet us here. I pray that as we look at your word and we think about what it means to live for you. I just pray that you would speak truth. Lord, start with me. Lord, start in my heart. And Lord, I pray that you would. God, that this moment right now would not be a passing moment, would not be something that we just kind of run by and then we head out. Lord, but right now you would speak to us so clearly and so powerfully that we would have no choice but to turn and to run towards you. Lord, captivate us with your love. Show us who you are. Show us who we are. And draw us to yourself. I pray right now for this time. Christ's name. Amen. Um, So having just moved a long way away, I've been thinking a lot about home and I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be home versus what it means to be a stranger in a a strange place. You know, when you're home, home is not just your house. It's not just an apartment. It's not just some place that you are right. There's something more to it there than that. It's something deeper than that. You know, home is is an area. It's a culture. It's a people. It's your friends. It's your family. It's where you get all the jokes. It's where you're comfortable all the time. It's where it's like you just, it's where you belong. You can be yourself. That's home. But when you're a stranger, things are a little bit different, right? When you're a stranger, things look differently. Every place is new. You don't really know anybody. You don't really know where you're going. You know, it can be a trial just to get to the grocery store. Being a stranger is none of what home is. Home is comfortable and you feel like you belong. And being a stranger means no matter how friendly everyone is, you don't really quite know them yet. And you don't quite fit in yet. And so when you're a stranger, what we do is we find different ways that we can try to be more comfortable. Where we can feel like things are more familiar. Maybe at least remember what it was like to belong somewhere. So, um, for example, like, and some of those are little and some of those are big, right? And so, for example, when we were here in March, uh, we came up to visit the church and we were here for almost a week. And it was just this crazy schedule. Okay. And I have two small kids. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old uh, both boys and they're a handful. And, uh, and so when we were here for that almost a week, we were, the schedule was insane. You know, we were going to different lunches and going to different dinners. We're meeting all these new people. And, and my son, it became such a habit. He would walk into a house and he'd go, okay, where are your toys? You know, because he was just such a, he knew it was like, I'm going to go to this new house. They're going to have new toys for me and I'm going to play with them. So where are yours? That's how the system works. Okay. And so, so by, by the end of the week, he was getting a little bit freaked out. Okay. He was just, you know, schedules were all messed up and he'd gone on a hunger strike. Okay. Any of you with toddlers, does that ever happen to you? Your kids are just like, I'm not eating. I'm done. Okay. Maybe that doesn't happen with all kids, but mine, my oldest, he does not like to eat. And when things are not normal, he goes on a hunger strike. And so by Thursday night or something like that, I was like, okay, we've got to feed this kid. All right. And so we've been out at this dinner and it was like 10 o'clock at night. Okay. We're getting back. He's not eating a thing. And so I'm like, buddy, do you want to go to McDonald's and get some chicken nuggets? And he looks up at me and he's like, yes, yes, please. You know, And when he says please, you know he means it, right? And he's like, yes, please. Okay, let's go. We hop in the minivan. We've got the Dorico's minivan. And, and we get on the GPS because we have no idea where McDonald's is. And we're like, okay, let's go find a McDonald's. So like 1030 at night, we show up, we get some nuggets, and he starts eating them. And he just devours these things because he just needed something familiar. And McDonald's was it. That was just something that he knew and it was comfortable, right? Sometimes it can be little things like that. Sometimes it's much bigger. Um, if you've ever lived overseas or maybe some of you living here is overseas, um, not, this doesn't happen with everyone, but I've definitely seen it and, and I've heard other stories of it where there's this kind of this heightened nationalism. You know, if you ever meet somebody like you're overseas and it's like, wow, you're, I know you're from Ireland, but here you're really Irish. Like, it really just comes out in everything. So in Italy, I lived in Italy for a couple of years. They actually made a movie about this. And uh, they, it was about this Italian kid from, uh, I don't remember, Palermo or something like that. And he heads over to, uh, to New Jersey to visit his Italian relatives, okay? And he gets there, and he's completely weirded out. OK, because they've got Italian flags everywhere and little Italian trinkets everywhere of all the of uh, all the, the major Italian sites and everything and everything. So Italian. And he's like, they're more Italian than I am. And it was such a big deal. I actually made it a, a movie out of this in Italy. OK, so then two weeks ago, this this is going somewhere. Um, you'll get used to me. Um, I'm a little different than Paul. Um so two two weeks ago, Carrie and I are at the DMV, okay? And we go in there, and they're giving us our new license plates. And so they give us our Pennsylvania. I come back, and I put the, the new Pennsylvania ones off, and I'm like, wow, we're really here. And then I take the Texas ones, and I go inside, and I'm like, babe. If we ever get a house with a, a basement, you know what we should do? We should totally hang these license plates in the basement. And she's like, yeah, that's a great idea. We should totally do that. I'm like, yeah, you know, we should just make like this this shrine, okay? It would be like a monument to Texas in the basement. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. We should get like jerseys and, and flags and all that kind of stuff. Would we ever have done this when we were living in Texas? Of course not. There's no way. Everybody would have been like, what is wrong with you people? You're crazy right but you just do these things to make yourself feel more comfortable because it's no fun to be a stranger it's no fun to feel like you don't belong it's no fun to feel like you fit in and so we do whatever we can to be like at least there i fit in at least there i knew people but it's interesting because scripture when it talks about our relationship with this world it says that we're strangers here you know, Peter in his letters, he says he calls us um, strangers, he calls us foreigners, aliens on this on this earth. And then Paul in, in Philippians 3, he calls us citizens of heaven versus citizens of earth. Right? See, we're not supposed to be comfortable here. And what I found in this move and this whole process has just kind of been a reality check for me. And it's just how easy it is to start living as though this is my home, this is my true home, this is as good as it gets, that this is the place that matters. And not recognizing and remembering that I have this other home and this isn't it. See, according to Scripture, there's these two kingdoms, right? There's the kingdom of heaven and then there's the kingdom of, of earth. And it's so easy for us at times to get confused over which kingdom we're really in. And we start to think that this kingdom, this earth right here is, is really what we got to be living for. This is where we need to invest. This is what matters. This is what's eternal. Uh, St. Augustine, his, his work, The City of God, he actually addresses this. And he's, he's um, refuting people at the time, right? Rome has fallen. Uh, the German invaders have come in, and Rome has fallen. And all the Romans are running around going, wait a minute, what happened? Because, see, we started worshiping this Christian God, and this is the problem. We adopted Christianity. We said, okay, this will be kind of our national religion, if you will. And we started, you know, we quit persecuting the Christians. We started worshiping the Christian God, and now look what happens. Rome is sacked. And Augustine says, hang on, you're missing this. You're confused because this city, this city is not God's city. This is the city of Rome. This is the city of of man. And he says, there's this other city that all of human history is moving towards. But this isn't it. See, there's the city of God and there's the city of man. But only one of them is worth living for. And only one of them is eternal. Only one of them lasts forever. See, there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. And the question is, which kingdom is ours? Which kingdom are we really living for? Where is our citizenship? See, everybody is a stranger somewhere, and everyone is a citizen somewhere. See, everyone is either a stranger to heaven and a citizen here on earth, or you are a stranger here on earth and you're a citizen of heaven. And there's no dual citizenship. You can't have both. You have to choose. It's one or the other. And before you start to say, well, definitely I'm in the city of heaven, maybe some of you, because you've been going to church all your life, let me just ask you this. Okay, what does your life say? If somebody was to follow you around, if somebody was to see your life from day to day, what, what would that say about you? Would they follow you around and go, man, this guy is living for something that must be bigger than life, this life because it doesn't really make sense the way that he's, he's doing his job. It doesn't really make sense the way that he's spending his money or the way that he treats his family. I've never seen anything like that. This is different. See, how, how are we living so what I want to do over the next three weeks is we're just going to talk about these two kingdoms and our relationship with them. And we want to just start this morning just asking this question, okay, are we living for the right kingdom? See, it's really easy to say that we're citizens. It's like, hey, I'm in, you know. But what do our lives actually say? What does that evidence point to? And so I want to look at this passage in Hebrews because in this we're going to find some people who were really living for the right kingdom. And we just want to look at their lives and see that example of it. And um, actually, before we get to that, you, you can read it, but let me give you a little background first. Um, so in in Hebrews, if you're not familiar with the book of Hebrews, that's okay. Let me give you a quick synopsis. So so Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it, um, but it is basically a treatise on how Jesus Christ is greater than everything. He's greater than all. He's greater than any priest. He's better than any king. He's better than any prophet. He's better than any religion or non-religion. And his rule, his kingdom, is also greater than anything that we can imagine okay and so when we get to hebrews chapter 11 this is basically a catalog of these heroes in the faith sometimes called the hall of faith it's it's these heroes in the faith starting back in genesis of people who have been living for and looking forward to the kingdom and they've been trusting god in remarkable and amazing ways and so he starts back in genesis with abraham then enoch and then uh, noah and abraham isaac jacob and sarah okay but it's when he gets to verse 13 ...that I want to pick it up, because this is how he describes these people, okay? He says, these people, okay, who he's just talked about, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah, he says, "...these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from uh, from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear they are seeking a homeland." If they'd been thinking about that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Okay, so let's just back up a moment here. So what it's saying here is that, that these people, right, they died in faith, and they were looking forward to these promises. Okay, so what promises are we talking about? Well, if you go back in Genesis... God goes to Abraham, and he promises Abraham blessing. And he promises him land, a place to live, a place to settle, a place for his people to grow. And then with that, right, at the time Abraham has no children, he's promising him an heir who's going to grow into the people of Israel. And so he goes to Abraham and says, those are the three things I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you blessing. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you this heir. Okay? And then that promise is passed on to later generations. Okay? But what you have to get here is, what I left out here is that there's, there's this one thing that, that God asked Abraham to do. He says, I need you to leave home. He said, I want to bless you, Abraham. I want to give you this land. I'm going to give you this air. I want to give you everything that you have, have longed for, okay? Blessing beyond your wildest imagination. Blessing beyond anything you can begin to hope for even. But here's the deal. You've got to leave home. You've got to leave your family. You've you got to leave everybody that you know, everything that's familiar to you. Okay, and that kind of sounds, you know, okay, we could we could probably handle that. But okay, in the ancient near east, all right, this is not moving from Dallas to Philly. It's just not it's not moving from California to Philly. It's not moving anywhere in in the present age, okay? It's just not. This is not a simple relocation because your company wanted to promote you somewhere, okay? That's not what's going on here. In the ancient near east, your home, your family, that is your world. And I cannot even begin to overstate that. It, your family is your is is your security. At your home, where you're from, that's your reputation. That's the people who trust you because they know you. If you go back and you can read, um, I was reading this week some different ancient Near Eastern writers who were writing at the time, and they describe these strangers, these exiles who come into their country. And they're like, hey, as great as they are, we will never trust them. They will never really belong because if they had to leave where they were living, what's wrong with them? <laughs> that was basically their attitude. It's like you couldn't stay there. Okay, what's your deal? You know? And they're like, they will never really belong here. They will never receive the honor. They will never receive the respect that someone who's from here will receive. So you didn't leave. There's no way that you would, in your right mind, leave home. And like I said, family, that's your security. Because it's not just like, hey, you know, I was looking on the map, and we should go from this town to that town. That town seems great. We should do that. No, when you headed out there, God's like, okay, Abraham, you're going to follow me. And guess what? I'm not telling you where we're going. You're just going to follow me. And, And Abraham has no idea who's out there. Who's going to rob him? Who's going to try to steal from him? Who's going to abuse him? See, you didn't call 911 if somebody wanted to rob you, right? You called your brother who was in the tent next to you, who got all your other brothers and all your uncles and all your aunts, and everybody showed up to protect you and to kick butt, okay? That's how things were done in the ancient Near East, right? It's maybe still how things are done in the ancient areas. I don't know. i no longer the ancient, okay? But here, right, it's just different for us. So there's no way in your right mind that you would ever leave. You would never leave that kind of security. That would be insane. See, we're way too smart to do something like that, aren't we? <laughs> we're way too smart. I would never do anything that crazy. I, I was reading recently about this, uh, this guy who um, was joining up with a missions agency. And um, he was going to be taking his family and he to this country that was so dangerous, he basically couldn't even mention it when he was writing about it. It was this war-torn country. I don't know where it was. But he just described just his disappointment at all the comments, all the advice that he got from his family and from his friends because they were so discouraging and they were, they were so unsupportive. And they said, you, this is a mistake. You can't take your family over there. That is unwise. That is so dumb. You are making a terrible decision. Don't go over there. And you know what he said? He said, show me in scripture where it says we're never supposed to take a risk for God. Show me in scripture where it says we're not supposed to be willing to lay down our lives for the gospel. See, we're way too smart for that. And I'm way too smart for that. We know better. That is risky. That is dangerous to go someplace that you don't know, to trust people that you don't know. And God says, hey, I want you to do this. Oh, man, God, I don't know about that. See, we have so bought into this conventional wisdom and it looks so good. It becomes really easy to talk ourselves out of trusting God. You know, and out of this guise of of wisdom, we can come with all kinds of criteria and all kinds of excuses. We're like, Lord, you know what? If only it was easier, then then I would trust you with this. If only it was more convenient. If only I had more time. If only I had kids or if I didn't have kids or if I was single or if I was married, right? We can come up with all kinds of things. If only, if only, if only, if only this God, then I would do it. God, I would be generous with my time, but I've got to put in more work for this promotion. God, I would be more generous with my money, but I got to make sure that my kids' college fund is really full. God, I would be, I would be happy to share the gospel with my neighbor, except that that's just so awkward, and heaven forbid that I would alienate them with the gospel, and so it'd be better if I just don't tell them anything at all. That would be safer. Now, look, hear me, okay? Because some of you are going, "Wait a minute, all right? Listen to me. I'm not saying don't be wise. Be wise. I'm not saying don't save for your college, your, your kids' college." I'm not saying you should force the gospel into every conversation. I'm not saying quit your job. What I'm saying is don't let, we can't let fear be disguised as wisdom. Because let's face it, what happens a lot of times is that God is leading me to something and it's like, uh, I'm just terrified to put, actually put my, my life or my family's life in the hands of the almighty God. And so instead I hide behind this foolishness and I call it wisdom. But see, the real wisdom, the only real wisdom that there is, is to be all in with whatever God is leading us. And so God goes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, here's the deal. I've I've got all this blessing I want to give to you. I want to bless you. I want to take you over here. I want to make your name great. I want to make your inheritance number greater than the stars. I want to do all of this for you, but you've got to listen to me. You've got to trust me. You've got to follow me. And it's not going to be easy. And we're going to go out there and it's going to be dangerous. And you're not going to know where we're going. What do you say? And Abraham says, "Amen." And he gets Sarah and he gets his nephew Lot and he gets some servants together and they head out. And they never turn back. They just keep going. God's leading us over here. We're going to go that way. God's leading us over here. We're going to go that way. And they never turn around. Look, look with me again. Like a verse 15 if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out They would have had opportunity to return see. It's not like they couldn't have turned around It's not like all their bridges were burned It's not like they couldn't have gone a little ways and been like hey, you know what this got really hard I think we're gonna turn around now. I think it's time to go back Right. I mean it's kind of amazing that at some point there was somebody didn't walk out and they're like Wow, we're in a desert wandering around. Let's turn around. Let's go back right now, right? You know, I mean look we could sure we could keep on this path or you know what we could go back where all of our family and friends are wouldn't that be great we could be there in like a few weeks no problem they 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 pull out all the stops for us roasted lamb like you can't imagine goat's milk galore right it would be amazing and we could give up all this like searching for water and hoping marauders don't rob us blind right let's go back i have this great idea let's stop doing this let's turn around it reminds me of it reminds me of the Israelites remember the Israelites after they leave Egypt They're kind of the whipping boys of the Old Testament, right? That's how we we treat them See God brings them out of captivity. Do you remember the story? They're in Egypt. God brings them out of slavery into the desert and they get out there and they're like It's hot out here And I hate this menu You know, it's like we ate so much better in Egypt. Let's go back. I'm really sick of this manna stuff. It's time to head back into Egypt. Sure, they were beating us and enslaving us and murdering our children. But, hey, no place is perfect. Let's turn around. Right? And all growing up, right, you hear these stories in Sunday school, or at least I did, and it's like, man, those Israelites, they are so dense. Those people are stupid. I can't believe they'd even think like, I mean, how how could you be that dumb? And then I get a little bit older, and I start thinking, wow i 'm really not that much better you know it 's like God takes me out of this sin, and I keep kind of inching my way back you know god God saves me, and he there 's this old life you know that I leave that, that God pulls me out of this old life and these old habits and these old sins, these old relationships, all this stuff that was so destructive that was contrary to his will for my life, and it was harmful. And I get a little ways out there, and then things start to get hard, and it's like, you know, that seemed kind of great. Kind of like to go check that out again. Maybe not totally back, but, you know, maybe just for like an afternoon. Maybe I could just visit. Maybe just go check it out for a little while. I like how G.K. Chesterton puts it. He says, the Christian life has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. That's so that's so me, you know, it's like you start off and it's like Jesus. I'm so in love with you I can't believe that you would save me a wretch like me and I get out there and I saw so I'm gonna follow you I'm, I'm in right here. I go here I go and then the world begins to bombard us and it begins to strangle us out and it begins to overwhelm us and things Get hard and things get scary and it's like, you know what you go on ahead. I'm gonna hang back here for a little while You know, maybe I'll catch up later, but right now this is kind of going well for me. So this seems better. Okay, I'm just going to hang out here. And we miss out. We miss out on that blessing. I mean, look at what it says at the the end of the passage, right? The end of verse 16, it says, therefore, right? They didn't turn around. Okay, they could have, but they didn't. They didn't turn around. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he's prepared for them a city. Okay, I mean, just think about this for a second. Okay, look, I'm not proud of me a lot of times, okay? I don't want to be associated with me a lot of times. All right? And here is God, the God of the universe, the creator of all, who is holy and perfect and just and righteous and everything else. And he's looking down at these people and he says, you know what? I'm not ashamed of them. In fact, I'm proud of them. In fact, I'm going to take their names and I'm going to associate it with me. When you want to know who I am, you know what I'm going to say? I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, this is like God walking in here right now and he's like, you know what? You want to know who I am? I'm the God of Paul. I'm the I'm the God of Doug. I'm the God of Emily. I'm the God of Ben. I'm the God of right. I'm making up names now. Right. This is what happens. Okay? I mean, think about that for a second that God would look at your life and he's like, you know what? I'm so proud of you right now. I'm so proud of you. I'm going to associate with you. I'm going to attach your name to mine. That's incredible. And it's not that these people were perfect, right? I mean, you go back and you read in Genesis. I mean, their lives are disasters, okay? And this is not talking about God saving them because they were great. No, 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 no. God didn't look at them and say oh you're being faithful now i'm going to save you and i'm going to give you a city That's not what this is saying Okay, see faith is our response to god It's our response to who god is and who we are and our relationship with him and his gift of salvation to us That's what faith is. Okay, but their faithfulness, right? He's like this parent who is proud of his children And they're still his children no matter what right but he's proud of them Okay, okay like, I love my kids, alright? I could start right now and we could talk the rest of the day about my kids. I love my kids. I'm so proud of my kids. But you know what? I'm not always proud of them. Okay? Any parents are out there? They're like, yeah. I'm not always proud of my kids either, you know? It doesn't mean you don't love them, right? I mean, this is really embarrassing. My wife is going to be really unhappy that I shared this. But, um, so, she doesn't know what's coming. So, she's really nervous right now. So, um, <laughs> everybody look at her um so uh so a couple of times this happened now where we've been to the store okay and, and my three-year-old right we go in and he finds this toy that he's all about anybody with toddlers had toddlers you know where this is going right and you start to leave and he's throwing an absolute temper tantrum right there on the floor and you're like not my kid you know it's like you want to like walk around the aisle next to it and be like whose kid is that I know. I have no idea. I've, those parents are terrible, you know, right? And in fact, you would leave them there, except you're pretty sure that the police would find you and return the little monsters, you know? I mean, you're not going to escape, so you got to go back and claim them, right? In those moments, I'm not proud of my son. I'm not. I don't want to be associated with him. Far from it. But you know what? I still love him. He's still my son. And you know what? There's these other times when he takes care of his little brother, when he's sweet to his mom, when he obeys us and he makes me laugh. I'm so proud of him. That's my son. And this is God looking at Abraham and he's like, Abraham, you're my son. I'm proud of you. You could have given up, but you didn't. I'm proud of you. Sarah, my daughter, I'm proud of you. You guys could have turned around. Could have booked it home. It would have been easier. But you didn't. You believed me. You trusted me. And you looked for something better. They were looking for something better. Did you catch that? Look back right before this. Verse 16. But as is, they desire a better country. See, they believed God. They believed God. It says this earlier too, right? Um, verse, I have to find it here. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear they are seeking a homeland. This, this word for seek, it, it's this idea of longing. It's this idea that you're searching for something that, that will satisfy this intense craving and desire and nothing else will do. It is the only thing that is going to satisfy you. It's the only thing that's going to take care of that. And they were so captivated. They were so, That that vision of this city, of this kingdom, of this country that God was creating for them, that God was preparing for them, was so real in their lives. You you ever been outside and like the weather changes or something, and it just transports you to another place? There's like something in the air. And maybe, you know, you're someplace and there's this memory, and suddenly you're back in that that little house that you grew up in, or or maybe back at your, your grandparents' house for Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? I mean... You know, my family used to go fishing every year in Canada, and to this day, every time spring hits, I'm like, ah, oh, it reminds me of Canada. Every time, you know, it's like that's where I love being there. It has these fond memories. It's like God says, I'm preparing this city, and that image became so captivating to them. It's like they could taste it. It was so real to them that they could say, we're strangers here. They believed it so intently, they they said, we would rather be strangers and exiles here on this earth. We'd rather be citizens of heaven and be unknown here and not belong here than to settle for something else. And it doesn't matter where God leads us. It doesn't matter what happens to us. We're not going to settle we're not going to do we're not going to settle for anything less than what God has planned for us And so you can take everything that this world has and you can keep it because this isn't my world This isn't my country. This isn't my city. This isn't my kingdom. I'm holding out for something better I'm holding out for the kingdom. I'm holding out for heaven, man. I love that I love that. I want that I want to be able to say with them that I am a stranger here on earth because I'm so captivated I'm so longing for I'm so in love With this idea that God is going to be building this city for me that I get to go be a part of And I can say you know what you can take everything that I have and my money and my car and my tiny little apartment And and everything else my career you can have all of that. Just make sure that I get heaven I'm going to live for that. That's what I want And I want to be able to say with him, you can have everything that this world has and you can keep it because this isn't my home. This isn't my country. This isn't my kingdom. I want to be all in. It's like in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, um, he, he talks about if there's no resurrection, if there's no future life, if there's no kingdom, he says, then as Christians, we should be pitied above all people. You get what he's saying here? He says, we're supposed to be all in. We're, we can't hedge our bets. You know, it's like, you know what? I'm going to kind of live for this kingdom here because I'm not so sure about this one over here. So, yeah, God, I'm going to live for your kingdom. But you know what? Over here, I'm going to enjoy everything I possibly can. I'm not going to sacrifice anything that I don't have to because, hey, what if that doesn't work out? Paul says, no, that's not the Christian life. That's not what we're talking about here. He says, as Christians, if this whole thing turns out to be a sham, then people should look at us and be like, man, that's awful. They are. How pathetic is that? I mean, they should look at our lives and our lives should make no sense apart from the gospel, apart from that kingdom. They should look at us and be like, man, you know what? They gave up pleasure. They gave up fame. They gave up money. They gave up all the success that they could have had because they were living for something else. And it turned out not to be true. Whoops. Right. That's what Paul's saying. That's what the Christian life is supposed to be like. And he says, and if that's the case, then how are we doing? How are we doing? Are we longing for the kingdom like that? Are we living for the kingdom like that? Does our life make sense apart from the gospel? It shouldn't. Can you see that city? Let me, let me read this. Revelation 21. In case you don't know what the city is like, I want you to hear this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city. There it is. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold The dwelling place of God is with man And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more Neither there shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away Do you see that? Do you have an image of that, even the slightest taste of that in your minds? Are you longing for that? See, here's the question that we have to ask, okay? Here's the question. Are we willing to let go of all the garbage, all the trash, all the junk? And let let me be really honest here, okay? Compared to heaven, compared to eternity, compared to glory, anything this world has to offer, it's garbage, is trash, as great as it can be. Okay? Are we willing to let go of all that for something of infinite value? That's the question. Are we willing to give up all of this junk, all of this noise, all this fool's gold that the world is trying to pawn off on us so that we can have something of infinite value to be with God himself? That's the question. And here's the problem. On my own, I always run back for the garbage. And so do you. We always go back for it. We're junkies at heart. See, left on my own, I will always, always, I will always think back. I will always turn around. I will always say, you know, I want to spend that afternoon back in the old place. And see, the only way we're going to start to live for that kingdom is if God lures our hearts away. He has to lure our hearts away when we see how much, how intense, how great his love is for us. See, here's our question. Are we going to let go of all this junk for heaven? But you know what? Jesus had a different question. Do you know what his question was? His question was this. Will you give up heaven for these sinners? Think about that. Before the beginning of time, before ages began, right before the foundations of the world, God the Father went to God the Son and he said, Son, I have a question for you. Will you give up the throne room of heaven? Will you become a stranger? Will you become an exile? Will you become an alien? Will you be beaten and flogged and mocked and killed for those people down there? And Jesus said, I'm all in. I'm all in. And until we begin to believe that, until that begins to move us, until that begins to lure us away from that sin, we're always going to be stuck in this kingdom. Don't you see? Christ, He gave up heaven. He became a stranger, an outcast, a criminal, so that we could be accepted. He he gave up his citizenship so that we could become citizens. He gave up his home so that we could have one. That's how much he loves us. Do you love him? Do you know him like that? Do you long for him? Like it says here, God is going to dwell with us. Are you looking forward to that time? Does your life make sense apart from the gospel? Because it shouldn't. Do you live differently? Do you do your job differently? Do you love your family differently? Are you longing for him? Um, Jamie and the band—they're going to come back up, and um, we've—we've kind of gone long. I, I don't know. Are they—are they coming back up? Okay, Paul's going to come up. Um, I, I hope that means he's not singing. Um, And, um, but look, as I close this out in prayer, let me just look. Some of you, how I put this, some of you, God may be whispering to you right now and there's this conventional wisdom that's getting in the way and we have to stop listening to that because the only wise move is to follow him. Okay, so don't, don't ignore him. He wants to bless you. He wants to change your life and do something extraordinary. Maybe some of you are sitting there like, I don't get any of this. And, and, I don't, and I don't even know if I believe all this stuff. And, and that's okay. That may be where you are right now. But listen very carefully. There are two kingdoms. And you're in one of them. And you need to be in the other one. And you, you can't wait. Um, in a little while, like Anna said, we're going to have a couple of people up here um, to, to pray with you. I'm going to be kind of hanging out. I'd love to talk with you. If I haven't met some of you, I'd love to meet you. Um, but, uh, don't, don't let this opportunity pass. God has you here for a reason, right? Um, don't, don't ignore that. Don't take that for granted. Let's pray. God, when we think about your kingdom, when we think about your city, when we think about what you, and what you want for us and what you want to bless us with, it's like, how do we even, how is it possible that we could be satisfied? You know, it's like C.S. Lewis, Lord. We're like these kids who are playing with mud pies in a slum because we have no concept of a holiday at sea. God, help us to look up from our mud pies. Lure our hearts away because we know, Lord Jesus, that you loved us enough to give it all up for us. And what we're giving up for you, man, it's nothing. It's nothing. But, Lord, it's not easy. We don't do it. We can't do it. Lord, you've got to do this. So, Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit right now to convict us of sin. Lord, move us. Show us how you're leading us. And, Lord, I pray, God, don't let us ignore you. Help us to live conspicuous lives, lives that scream out, there is something more than this life. There's a kingdom, and we're waiting for it. I pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.